you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Free agency, what's free about it? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, look at us, fancy new mics, trying to get it all figured out. We don't know if anyone can hear us right now, but, uh, you know, tech problems galore. We're working it out. We trust Ricky. Do we trust Ricky? I don't know. It's it's definitely not on Ricky. You know, she we, we have this whole setup. I like it. It looks like Mark is coming to us from another planet, which I appreciate. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I've had a lot of um, issues in the home studio. And so I this weekend, among other things, I just blew up the home studio and I've reorganized <laughs> the desk. And, you know, the, the, all the stuff behind you that is sort of essentially just fake like that's still to come. I've, I'm prepping that mm. later. Didn't have time to dress it up was, the set. It was one of those interesting Mark Sessler text weekends, and they happen occasionally, um, and we love him for it. It's what makes Mark a fascinating guy that sometimes when you're not in direct contact with him, your way to communicate is he just starts firing these texts, and sometimes he's coming from a different place. Uh, like my parents are in town, for instance, and you know when your parents are in town, you're kind of in a different headspace. You're in a kind of a bubble and then Mark is got, sending all these technology-based things about the <laughs> camera quality, the mic quality. He's showing screen grabs and like dispatches with his wife about it. And I'm just like, I love this guy, but I can't really plug in. I'll have to see him on Monday. Well, hold, hold on one minute here because, number one, um, that shows that I'm a true professional. I'm always thinking totally. about our, our craft. But number two, <laughs> I, t- I tend to like any time I've been texting Dan during this parental visit – uh, bubble that he's in. I always end the text with in parentheses. Don't worry about this now. Can discuss <laughs> later. Like I'm not asking for an immediate response now, Greg. I don't know why. What took you four hours to respond to the text? You can. You do have to definitely make me feel guilty because while your texts indicate 
all you've thought about since uh, our sh- TV show ended Friday was uh, the aftermath of that. The second we stopped recording, that was the last time I had thought about it, <laughs> and I was planning to never think about it ever again, and I, I was fine with that. I, was, I do. I, was I even fine. did tell Simone, I said, Dan will care um, about this to some degree, and we're going to get a response from Dan. I said, it is a complete wild card if Greg gives even the smallest S about this hey. s- specific issues. <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta you gotta know your lane, and if if you're you know, I, I can't things I can't control. I I don't want to get involved with. All right, so we have a lot to get to, a lot. Friday, right when we were taping the network show, in fact, it got super complicated. We were supposed to start taping at 10 a.m. Pacific. At 10:04, Adam Schefter drops the news of a huge trade: uh, the Miami Dolphins sending the number three overall pick to the 49ers for the 12th pick. The Niners also giving up multiple first round picks as well to move up. Uh, to that spot, and then the Dolphins then traded uh, the number 12 pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, just a lot of things moving around. The Dolphins finished the Friday moves with the number six pick in this year's draft. We have to break down all of this, um, but to start, why don't we focus on the 49ers side of it? Because it's fascinating. We're going to get to all the news, uh, but we want to talk the Niners end of this, and to do that, uh, we want to connect with somebody who knows the team as well as anyone. It's Tim Kawakami of The Athletic, and he just wrote a banger on Jimmy G. And here he is, Tim Kawakami of The Athletic. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast, Tim. Hey, great to be on. Great to be on. Good to be talking to you guys. And uh, Tim, and you have to check it out on The, on the Athletic, a post that went up. Uh, column that went up this weekend, 10 thoughts about Jimmy Garoppolo's relationship with the 49ers and why he's still their <laughs> 2021 QB1. Uh, and interesting uh, how this all shakes out, because the initial thought when it happens, and we were just talking about we were doing our TV show on Friday, trying to process it in real time, and it felt like when you first get the news, oh, that's curtains for Jimmy G. Where is he going to be in 2021? Probably not San Francisco. That's not the way you see it. And, and Tim, can you just... Let the audience know a little bit about this dynamic, this relationship between Lynch, Shanahan, and Garoppolo dating back to his arrival a few years back. Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty straight up with him the whole time. I mean, he came in with them actually wanting Kirk Cousins. So you have to understand that they've never really – I mean, they praise him. Uh, obviously, he had a great season in 2019, gets him to the Super Bowl, did not have a great game in the Super Bowl. But they've never, you know, said you're absolutely ideal. You're the perfect guy. After they get to the Super Bowl, they take a look at Tom Brady. They take a close look at Tom Brady, and Garoppolo understands it. Uh, I don't. I'm sure he doesn't love it. But if anybody understands the pull of Tom Brady, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I've been told that he understands. Listen, when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014, it was right behind Tom Brady, and Garoppolo was the young guy then. And the other important thing right now is four ers think they have a roster that can win the Super Bowl. They really do. This is you have to understand. It isn't like, oh my God, we gotta get a quarterback or else we're done. They think with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback, who has won a lot of games for them, and by the way, they've lost a lot of games when he hasn't been the quarterback, they can get back to the Super Bowl. They love their roster. They're a confident group. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan believe they had the best team in twenty nineteen. They just couldn't make the plays in the end of the Super Bowl. The Chiefs end up winning. This is a group that isn't going to plan to throw away a season with a rookie quarterback. Now, the rookie quarterback might turn out to be the best guy. There's competition. But they're not going to say, hey, Nick Bosa, come back from your ACL. Hey, Trent Williams, come back as a a free agent. George Kittle, you know what? Might not work out great in 2021 because we'll have a rookie. But then the next season, they're not thinking like that. They're thinking, what's the best option to win now? 
and they made this gigantic move, obviously a humongous move, to get their quarterback for after that. And if that quarterback beats out Jimmy Garoppolo at any point in 2021, they're better for it, in their opinion. Competition, pushing. Mm. Nobody has to love it. Creative tension, right? I mean, we've all heard about it. Garoppolo understands that. I mean, you know, I was told very clearly at the time, and I was told very clearly over the weekend, Drafting Jimmy Garoppolo was Bill Belichick saying, we got our guy to replace you, Tom. We do. Let's see you prove that you are the guy. And guess what? He won a Super Bowl. Then he won another one. Then he won another one. <laughs> and I said, if this happens with the 49ers, whatever their quarterback is, they'll, they'll be really, really happy with that. Whatever the tension is, they'll deal with it. And Garoppolo is a no-stress guy. He, I mean, you've seen his interviews. He's not a guy who gets amped up, gets over-worried. He's a lawyer in the locker room. They'll play it out, and maybe he'll get beat out. Uh, maybe he'll get hurt again. But they're, they're going to play it out with a young quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought that I was writing this during the season. Like, this is what you're going to do. You need competition in there. I thought it was going to be a second-round pick. I didn't think they were <laughs> going to give up their entire future draft choices for this. But I did think they were going to get a guy if Jimmy can't make it through the season or if, or if, if Garoppolo isn't that good and the rookie beats him out. I just It's a two-timeline plan that not a lot of teams do. I always thought this is what the four nines were going to plan to do anyway. It, it makes sense to me. I think they looked at where they were in the draft and they thought we're, we don't yes. plan to ever be up this high again. And, um, I think they made the mistake in 2017 of thinking we need to set the groundwork, uh, and we're going to get cute and draft Solomon Thomas and pass on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mums. And they didn't want to make that mistake again. I do wonder if Jimmy G, you know, if, could be traded in training camp too. These aren't decisions necessarily you have to make right now. If whoever they draft number three is legit in August, couldn't, you know, couldn't you see Jimmy G no going question. out the door in August? No question. And, but you, you got to wait till you see this guy in, in shoulder pads and run around their practice field and running their offense. Uh, and obviously there's the bubble of Mac Jones is Mac Jones is Mac Jones. Hey, if, if Kyle Shanahan thinks Mac Jones is, Kirk Cousins, and anyway, you always Kirk Cousins was always mentioned. By the way, when you talk quarterbacks <laughs> with, with Kyle Shanahan, I learned that early on. If you just keep saying Kirk Cousins with, with Kyle Shanahan, you're never wrong. But uh, if yeah, if Mac Jones is the guy and he beats out Garoppolo, then you cut Jimmy Garoppolo or you trade him, and that twenty five million dollars that other people are worried about, which the Four Niners are not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo's twenty five million dollars. They are not. They they've told me this consistently. We've we've budgeted. We figured it out. It's a cost of having a, a good quarterback in the NFL. That's what these what a thirteenth highest paid quarterback in the league. This is what it costs, uh, and I, I think yeah, they're they're prepared for that, and they're also prepared for Jimmy to play great. Like if, if he goes out there and he kicks ass, and, and the players, his teammates, love the guy. And I, I've always said too, part of the reasons why Long Room likes this guy so much, unlike maybe another quarterback who's kind of off stratified, off with the head coach, buddy, buddy, is that he's always getting. Kyle's always yelling at him. Kyle's always like, "Say you could have done this better." Kyle was very clear that he wasn't great at, in the Super Bowl. Accurately was was not, you know, Kyle's analysis is accurate, but he's not been protected. He's not been coddled. You know, you don't have that Jared Goff thing where I think McVay thought he was coddling Goff to get him to a spot and then just said, forget about it. I've done too much. With Shanahan and, and Garoppolo, it's just been you're my quarterback. I like you. You can do better. And I'm going to tell you that you can do better. And, you know, you get the Super Bowl 13 to 3. I'm still going to look at Tom Brady. I'm still going to look at whoever. They were looking at Deshaun Watson. I, there's no question about it this offseason. We could all talk about what that might have led them, how that might have led to this decision. But it, it's different, I think, when you have a straight up relationship with a quarterback, which is not very often, maybe in the NFL, where he's treated like a center or a tight end or a receiver. And it's different. He's a quarterback. 
making the most money. But he really is treated like that. And again, that's why his teammates like him so much. He's they can rip him and joke with him, and he's not on this other level where oh no 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 that's Jimmy G. That's not that situation in the Four Niners locker room at all. And I don't think they would have loved it if the Four Niners just give the job to a you know twenty one year old quarterback in April. Uh, if you see it, if the guy's fantastic, if he's Russell Wilson like you know Wilson was as a rookie, that's fine. You earn that on on the field. They're not going to be in love with just say, okay, you know, Jimmy G, you won a lot of games, but we're a little tired of you. So this guy, whoever, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, he's a starter, period. Trent Williams, I don't care. That's what you're blocking for. I I do not think that would have played very well in the Fortnite's locker room. I guess it leaves me um, with some questions about the Jimmy G experience and his persona then, because I get that the, you know, the Belichick using a second round pick to somewhat light a fire, perhaps under Tom Brady, who already is um, the ultra competitor. Um, in sports today. So, I mean, I don't know what fire needed to be lit, but, but it did, it did help. But with Jimmy G, the idea that we're kind of going to be telling him, yes, you have a nice relationship with the coach, with the GM. We're all sort of on the level here, but we're essentially bringing some, they have given up the future. It's not a second round pick. It's a ton of draft picks to very clearly get someone to replace Jimmy G. And, and it just seems to me that the most pro NFL quarterbacks would be like, forget that. I'm. I want. This is my job, or I want to go start somewhere else where I'm seen as the future. Versus, he's essentially been reduced to the level of bridge quarterback, and I. And that wasn't the narrative for him. So, do you really think that Jimmy G is so affable and sunny that he he would allow this just to go on without any complaint or reservations? Yeah, I don't think I'd pick the words affable or, or sunny. I think it would be okay. <laughs> let's compete. Fine, let's compete. And you know what? He's not making $25 million any, anywhere else. Even if he's traded the Patriots, I don't think they're paying him. 20. They'll, they'll, they'll reschedule his contract. So that's part. It's not a bad life if you're competing with somebody and you're starting for this great roster is what everybody's opinion is here. And uh, the pay the pay's pretty good, too. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just don't know that he's – I've heard this again. This is in, in, in his camp or people around him's mind. This is him being drafted behind Brady. And it wasn't to light a fire under Brady. I, I've heard this. It was to replace Brady. Not right away. But it was Brady was 37, I think, at the time. Had not had his best seasons. The, the, the Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl in nine seasons. I, I, I think Brady thinks that, that Jimmy was, was drafted to replace him. Not right away, but in two years. And Brady just played fantastic, played his ass off. So he, he pushed it away. Jimmy's not Brady, obviously. He's not that guy. It, it's not three number ones. That's not the same situation. I understand that. But in his mind, it's like, if I play so well that they can't put the rookie ahead of me, good. And if, if I play so well that then all of a sudden that they can trade me for something, that's good too. You don't back away from this challenge. And maybe in training camp, there's other decisions to be made. Let's see what this guy is like. But what if the rookie holds out? What if the rookie gets hurt? What if I mean, we've seen these things happen over and over again? Drew Brees, Joe Drew Montana. Brees. I mean, Drew Brees uh, yeah. had a very similar circumstance. Joe Montana in yep. San Francisco yep. had a, was essentially benched for Steve Young and then had to come back and, and compete exactly. for him. And they gave up a ton of picks, so it's not unprecedented. Yeah, again, it's if if the salary is is workable and the 49ers have always, which is what I've been writing since December, the 49ers don't think the salary is a problem. Uh Garoppolo wants to compete. He wants to win a Super Bowl with these guys. And if you're a competitor, you win a Super Bowl with these guys, you're, you get the trophy, and then you go, go to hell, guys. You didn't think I was good enough for this. This <laughs> is what's 
sort of the general thought process. Maybe he's wrong. He could be wrong. But he's not getting $25 million anywhere else, by the way. And that's the practical thing. And if he plays really well, the market's only better. And he's, you know, I, I wrote, so that Fortnite just made him a $25 million underdog. That's not a terrible position to be in. Just shut up. Go play. You think you're really good. Stay healthy, which is which is by far the biggest factor. He has not been healthy. Missed 23 games in the last three seasons. Hasn't really been the same quarterback, even though he was good in 2019. He, he's, he's lost some ability since that ACL tear in 2018. So all these things are part of the, the factoring. But he goes in there and plays great, and the offense works well, and the defense is as good as it was in 2019. I, I see this from that, like, hey, you know what? This isn't where... I'm in a terrible situation if you're, if you're Garoppolo, if they've been straight with him. If they've been lying to him and say, we'll never do this, we'll never bring in somebody else, you're the perfect quarterback, I think it's a different mentality. I think it's screw you, get me out of here. I've, I've written about this a lot, so I, I can say this confidently. They've never told him stuff like that. They've never said, you're unquestionably the guy. Well, Kirk Cousins has been somebody Kyle Shanahan has thought about constantly since he's been here. Even they almost didn't do the trade for Jimmy because they were going to sign Kirk Cousins in the next offseason. They didn't draft Deshaun Watson or Mahomes or really even evaluate them. They might have evaluated Mahomes a little bit or or Watson or both a little bit, not a lot, because they were going to sign Kirk Cousins. That's always been that relationship. I like you, Jimmy, but I always like this other guy better. So that almost helps them in this context because they have, again, they have not overplayed it with Garoppolo. It's not this passive-aggressive you're the greatest. You're the greatest. Okay, now you stink. Um, right. It's been okay. this. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just been this back and forth dialogue between you know a demanding coach and a quarterback who won a lot of games, and then he's also been hurt and he's also not played well sometimes. It kinda, In that it, context, they're you know they're going to try to look to get somebody better, and they decided now they really are going to look to get somebody better, not necessarily this season. It, it makes me think, you know, not to play fantasy sports here, but if Shanahan is so in love with Kirk Cousins, dude, some of these draft assets, why don't you go try to get Kirk Cousins uh, <laughs> using some of that draft capital? You could have gotten him for almost nothing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, that's, what, that's what makes me think, again, the Mac Jones stuff is now overpowering. I'm not debating that, that Shanahan probably really likes him. He but went to his pro day. Yeah, likes him at three with for three first-round picks. You want the extra with that. If You, you want – you know, you, you want the Russell Wilson, you want, you know, the Josh Allen. Those guys beat the, uh, the 49ers. So I can't see, I guess, I can't get, we know head coaches can be stubborn. We know that sometimes they aren't thinking the big picture, but they're bidding with everyone else for this, right? You, you pay three first round picks because you're bidding for the value. Why are you bidding for the value who isn't the, the great value? You, you're doing this to move into that Fields, Wilson, possibly Trey Lance thing, in my opinion. Again, Kyle might be so in love with, with Mac Jones, it doesn't matter. And if he is, I think it's a ridiculous, horrendous misvaluing of this situation. San Francisco will go absolutely crazy if they've uh, done all already. this to get Mac Jones. I mean, just, your job just, is going to What do they know, though? Just, you know? Well, who just, I, that doesn't matter. That, that's not going to stop them from reacting. I mean, that no, would be one of the bigger... Yep. 
draft stories around. If they do this to get Mac Jones, people it'd are going to go nuts. It'd be incredible. I was actually thinking ahead. What if this is the greatest fake of all time? What if this is an inception level where he's doing this, he's going to trade back to 14 and take Mac Jones at 14. And everyone will go, oh my God, you got Mac Jones at 14. It's the greatest move of all time. I don't know. I don't see the logic. And even if Kyle was head over heels for Mac Jones, even if he was, Somebody there has to put the brakes on it. Somebody there has to say, you know what? We don't have to do anything. We can sit at 12, and then if we're worried someone else is going to go off for it, then we react. We don't have to do it in March. That's the part that, like, I wonder if there was somebody there. I assume there was. Parag Marate is a great, you know, value guy. Um, but you know, we know coaches, and, and Kyle Shanahan is a shot caller there. There's no, no there's not anybody else. It's Kyle Shanahan. So if he was just, that's it, I want this guy, I'm worried. Like The only the thing I could think of is you know, he was worried the Patriots might move up uh, and go get him. Maybe that's what he was worried about. Is Bill Belichick giving up three number ones for Mac Jones? Who knows uh, anymore, Tim? Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe right. he was giving up two, and that's why you had to go three, though. I, I don't no. know. Who knows? I, I just – I don't put much in anyone's evaluation, though, of Mac Jones because it's usually a bunch of – People like us that it's not really their jobs and we're basing it on other consensus opinions. And and if Shanahan loves him and that's the one pro day that he goes to and Chris, you know, Chris Sims, uh, who's his buddy, loves him. And it's like I, then he's not going to feel like any price is too much. It, it definitely raises the stakes of this entire draft process, though, because you could not trade up to number three. I guess you could be confident Mac Jones would be there, but you could not trade up to number three and know exactly what you're getting. You have to love two quarterbacks. You know, you have to love two guys. You have to absolutely be willing to change your entire franchise for two or three different guys. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, why now? That's, I mean, we're going to talk to Shanahan a little bit. That's going to be a key question. I don't know if he's going to answer, but why now? Why, Why did you have to do it now? The, if you if you go through the Mac Jones thought process, it's he was afraid the Patriots are going to move up for him, going to get a trade to two. But with the Jets trade with the Patriots two, uh, uh, I'm sorry, or four, it could trade with four, or, you know, with the Falcons. There, there could be spots for the Patriots to move in ahead of twelve. But I just don't see you go through the process for somebody again. It's just draft experts, you're right, but you look at the talent level. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones, just in the way the modern NFL is playing, the way Josh Allen plays, the way. Kyler Murray plays again. Guys are. This is not like a you know just some experimental thought. They have beat the 49ers. They, they've beat them. Uh, Patrick Mahomes slightly different, but you know I think you need to get into that if you're going to give up three. I mean I would have thought so anyway. But you got to get into that world of talent. You can't just try to get many Kirk Cousins. But when you give up the picks that they gave up. You can't just do it to get another guy. And I think, Max, I, I would think differently. I mean, I don't like to, you know, I just don't, I've seen it, you know, we've all seen a ton of Alabama games. You can throw the ball. You can be accurate. I think he's got slow feet. And in the NFL, you got slow feet. People coming to half you now. Now, Brady survives it, but Brady, you know, he can move around. There's some agility within the pocket. I just don't know if you're just, you're, I just believe this is a time to change some of the things that he wants to do. I believe it's a time to adapt some of the things he wants to do with the outsized athletic talent. And if you're a great coach, you should be able to adjust an outsized athletic talent who can read the field, who can make the passes. And I think this is the year to do it. And again, I could see them thinking, well, at 12, 
like you said, we're never going to, we don't think we're going to be this high for a long time. This is a great quarterback draft. We like three of them. Let's go, let's go to three and we'll be fine. And if we need to make a maneuver within, we're already at three. It's not going to cost a ton more, but I would still think they're going to stay at three. I get all that logic. I don't get it for Mac Jones. I really don't get it mm-hmm. for Mac Jones because I think you could have, you know, what at highest, we're going to go to seven, eight, um, Matt Jones, again, you're bidding against people who are trying to get Trey Lance, Zach, Zach Wilson, or, or uh, Justin Fields. So why are you paying that price for somebody who isn't going to get that bidding, in my opinion? Again, we might all be wrong. Maybe Matt Jones is the guy that everybody's erased. Maybe the Jaguars are now sweating over Trevor Lawrence or Matt Jones. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't, it doesn't feel like that to me, and, and it certainly doesn't illustrate it by the games they played and I think that we all watched Tim, thank you so much for the insight and make sure you follow everything Tim writes on, on the Niners because this guy is plugged in, as you could tell. Thank you, buddy, and uh, good luck uh, this yeah, upcoming guys. season. Appreciate Thanks. it, Bye-bye. Tim. There he goes, Tim Kawakami. Really interesting. And, uh, you know, one thing that I thought, too, about this, because it is interesting. Now, the way things shake out, it started out being this draft is about Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. And it still is. He's going to be the number one overall pick. The Zach Wilson thing has built up now where he is seen as a kind of an elite prospect uh, to a lot of people now. So now you got one, two to give up as much as San Francisco has to get to three and maybe get the third best guy off the board when there is a drop off uh, in a lot of people's eyes. That's interesting. But it also like one thing I thought when this went down, it gave them flexibility with the big name that people don't know how to talk about right now, Deshaun Watson. Uh, and every day you wake up, you check your phone and you wake up and there's more lawsuits filed against this guy. And now there's a report um, from ESPN um, reportedly about um, Watson reaching out, trying to settle with some and they're leading Instagram posts. And we, we obviously don't know the whole story here, but you just wonder if that third overall pick they have options there, whether they want to go through the draft or leverage that to go get Deshaun Watson, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Or is Deshaun Watson totally out of play right now? Is that where he's at in his career? And what a stunning turn of events that has been over the last two weeks. Right. Or if the, all this Deshaun Watson news lit a fire under the 49ers even more to go get this pick and get this rookie that they were thinking about. Kyle Shanahan went to Mac Jones's pro day. Apparently, he never goes to people's pro days, like quarterbacks' pro days in person. It's the only one, I guess, he went to. Whether they're trying, I don't know why they would telegraph things. I don't know why they would put things out through the media that they love Mac Jones unless they did. There's no way we're going to know. Who knows? Maybe it is all for Justin Fields. Like we're going to have to wait until April, I think, to to get those answers. But. People that seem to know Kyle Shannon best think it probably is for for Mac Jones, <laughs> and that and people around the league think it is, and that and the it would add up. And the way Tim mentioned, like, isn't there anyone in the building that would say, "Hold up"? It's like, no, it's Kyle Shanahan's team. That's made it. That's been clear throughout. John Lynch is there to execute Kyle Shanahan's vision, very much like. Bill Belichick's GMs are there to execute his vision. It is not the John Lynch show. It's the Kyle Shanahan show, especially a quarterback. And three five, first round pick sounds like a lot. Well, first of all, the first one is the 12th pick. So you're moving up. It's really, t- you know, two extra first round picks. 
I just think of that first draft. They keep mentioning it, though, because the 49ers never got any grief for it. They had two first-round picks that year, too, by the way, to start their franchise off. They took Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster. So that's what two first-round picks can sometimes do for you. This is Kyle Shanahan laying a stake that this is my future. I plan to be for the, with the 49ers for as long as possible, and this is going to be my quarterback. I got to assume it's for a very specific guy, and it's it's got to, it's probably a rookie, and maybe the Watson news, to your point, Dan, clarified it for him that, that this was going to get too messy. You don't do this unless you are crystal clear, 100% certain, that you're going to get a quarterback you're in love with. And we know it's not Trevor Lawrence, and it's not Zach Wilson. So there is someone sitting out there, and maybe it is Mac Jones. I, I still think that, you know... The Deshaun Watson thing to me is completely off the table. I just don't know how any of this gets sorted out before the draft. And no matter how much you like the player, quarterback is about availability. And we don't even know how this thing shakes out when he'll play next. I mean, there's a there's a potential chance that if a suspension comes down at some point that you don't even have Deshaun Watson next season. So I don't know how between now and the draft, these picks would have been used as leverage to spice up that kind of a deal. I mean, a month ago, yes. And then they'd be sitting there thinking, now we have to go get someone. In my opinion, this looks like they fell in love with someone at quarterback. Maybe it's Mac Jones. Maybe it's Lance. We don't know. And they're they're really comfortable based on our talk with Tim, too, having having Jimmy G as part of the plan for next season to ease that quarterback in correctly. Well, I do wonder, too, if the, you know, that, that, that to move out of three, the Dolphins were getting good offer. Like that they, that whether Carolina? It, was the, that it was the Eagles, potentially, who Ian Rappaport mentioned had been, moved, you know, somewhat interested in moving up, but maybe it was only for Zach Wilson. And then as Tim mentioned, maybe it's the Patriots who, who wanted to move up for Jones and they, and they felt the pressure that they needed to box someone out. Like now the timing of the trades. And I know we're going to get to the Dolphins Eagles trade indicates that to me, you know, that they, that there were other offers that the fact that the Dolphins had another trade ready to go five seconds later makes me think that there was a lot of conversation about this number three pick and backup plans. And the Dolphins basically had this whole, plan mapped out before they even made the trade with the 49ers right and you mentioned the Dolphins so the 49ers we talked about that the Dolphins started this thing with the Niners by sending that number three overall pick in exchange for the number 12 a first and third round pick in 2022 and a first round pick in 2023 then Miami turned around and sent the number 12 pick, number 123, and their 2022 first-round pick to the Eagles in exchange for the number 6 and number 156 picks in this year's draft. Um, I would think that this, this for the Dolphins, makes sense if you're going to give Tua a real good look here as your potential future, and you now put yourselves in position, in addition to accruing more draft assets here, Greg, you also now have a chance to bring in a real stud playmaker on offense. And we've talked about that. Uh, You know, uh, they went and they got Will Fuller, and that felt like a nice start. But the way this draft is starting up, where the first three picks might be quarterbacks, um, it feels like to be in that number six spot is a really good place to be to get a big-time playmaker. Exactly. I mean, and this is a great top of this draft for playmakers. I don't think they're going to be in the left tackle market. And so that means they get to take, 
Kyle Pitts, the tight end, or Jamar Chase, or if you want to take Devontae Smith, whoever it's going to be, whoever they like, they should have their choice of a few of those top guys. And it makes me more excited about the Dolphins. I want to see the two a year two with talent around them and that defense so well coached. I think they've done some weird things in terms of their moves, and they've gotten off of players quickly on defense. But, like, that that sounds exciting, and I, and I want to see the two a year two leap, and now he's getting a good chance for it. I think if you're a Dolphins fan, you know, it's been a, this is a team that's sneaky, had a really rough 30 years. Um, you now with Chris Greer, I think, have one of the best general managers in the game. He's been involved with in over six years in eight separate deals for first round picks. Um, he was a forward thinking um, GM before a lot of the league is caught up. And I think you're looking at a team that is, you know, I, I wondered if maybe they were still there was still a chance back in the Deshaun Watson um, pre Deshaun Watson version of this whole thing where maybe that would have been a destination or a move. But yeah, you're right. At this point, it's go add the best playmaker you can around them. And you've got a coach and general manager that have a real vision and they're able to pull it off. And Chris Greer never gets fleeced. He, every, you look at every single deal that they've pulled off. I think they've always gotten great value. You could argue Minka Fitzpatrick should have not been traded, um, but still, you got a first round pick. I mean, you solid look at his grades, transactions. Fr- solid grades from Mark. Mark's got the whole grade. Um, He's got a lot. Business. You know, he wrote the grades article last week. Grades are his new corner. Chris Greer getting a lot of solid A's. Was there? Right. Who, was did you take the grades uh, pop from someone else? Did you wrestle them away, or was it sitting there? Anyone at .com could have had it, and you took it. Well, to dispel your theory that it's sort of a career launcher, I actually wrote the piece last year, too, <laughs> and it had zero traction. Um, and in fact, it, it has so little traction that we carved out an entire network segment discussing the grades I had given the Raiders, and that was the first thing that got wiped out when during our show all this trade news came in. They said, we've got to get rid of content, and it, they said, well, that makes for easy Riddance. So, what's Mark's most recent work? <laughs> Take that out of the mix. Hey, I want to not to get too sidetracked here, but um, Panthers a loser right now. They're they they're in a little bit of a tough spot here because we it all felt I would I don't want to say it was it was a done deal because it wasn't, but there was momentum building toward them and Deshaun Watson and Mark. I think you nailed you nailed it on the head. No one is doing a trade right now until it gets sorted out. There's just too much at stake on both sides to do a deal involving a guy who's having these legal issues that could become criminal. Um, it could become a criminal issue right now. It's civil, well, especially because so, the Texans don't want to. I still think a team like the Panthers or Patriots might be like, "This is a ten-year decision. We'll do whatever." But the Texans don't want to anyway, so that adds right. a whole another but I'm saying, layer. And to not it. to be flip here, but if Deshaun Watson has a ten-year prison sentence or something, you don't do a trade. You, I mean, it's just everything seems to be on pause. Um, I'm working under that. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe he's it's actively going on behind the scenes right now, but. If Deshaun Watson is off the table, now you have the Jaguars, Jets, and Niners locked one, two, three at the top of the draft. Unlikely to move. Maybe, maybe the Jets move out of number two, but it doesn't seem that way. Not when no. uh, you have the brain trust um, at Zach Wilson's pro day and all the buzz around him right now. Does this end, um, Greg Rosenthal, with Teddy Bridgewater getting another shot in Carolina just because they feel like they got boxed in here? Just a thought. Just a thought. Exercise there. Maybe competing 
you know, with Lance or Fields. The, the thing is, though, if Mac Jones is taken third, I mean, you got to do the math. Then there's five of these quarterbacks, and they go one, two, three, and the Panthers are still at seven. So I don't know how much they are going to like Trey Lance or Justin Fields if they fell. Uh, but there's too, there's still too many quarterbacks, and the Patriots certainly are looking for one. And the pa- but they're much lower in the draft, and the Panthers are still in a decent spot at seven where they might go get it. And they are the ultimate team. And I would throw the Patriots in, but I can't see it happening. The the Panthers are the ultimate team that might you know be willing to wait this out uh, with Watson because like Jimmy G, they've got a quarterback that. And even it's more complicated to get off Teddy Bridgewater's contract. He's do all these this guaranteed money anyway, so he's kind of their just backup plan that's going to be there. And they could wait it out until November. You know, they could wait it out in, as long as they wanted to. And if Watson really was their number one choice all along, which is what it sounded like, then maybe they are the team that gets that done in a long time. Yeah, but to Dan's question though, are they? drifting towards the loser category of the winners and losers here. I would say they are because they also went after Matthew Stafford. All right. They, they clearly were the team most interested in Watson and that thing's in a holding pattern. You're right. That can happen down the road. And the Falcons, I think will draft a quarterback too. I think we're going to get four straight quarterbacks off the board. And then you're looking at the Panthers saying, are we cool enough drafting our fifth or sixth choice at the position they were at number eight. They just weren't high enough. It's the problem when you you don't basically stink enough the season before and you're sitting in a place where people can hopscotch you. I thought the Patriots were going to hopscotch Carolina and move up to get to this place to get this quarterback. They haven't. So there's two teams still looking for one, um, and they're not enough quarterbacks to go around. No matter how good of a class it is, you already know that half of them are going to fail. They're not going to live up to their pedigree. In fact, if half live up to it, that will be a surprise. It's just not how it works. Everyone's perfect today. They'll all be mega flops, half of them, two years from now. Well, you could look at it one other way, too, though, which is the Panthers saying, sweet, the 49ers are out on the Deshaun Watson market, and they're taking Mac Jones. Right. Yeah, it's someone we don't right. want. It could. It could. <laughs> right. I mean, that is the other way to look at it, and you're right. If they show exhibit patience here, wait out this legal issue, and then come hard— uh, there might be a smaller market. Uh, it could work out. You're right. There's two ways to look at it. But I, I imagine there's a level of impatience that could be building there. 2021 um, is, is not looking. Is, uh, after what they've done with Teddy, it is tough to for, I think, everyone to stomach going into week one with Teddy as your starting quarterback. That would be tough. And then, um, you know, we could maybe get into the Eagles uh, more in depth uh, later in the week, but do you have any thoughts, boys, uh, on what the Eagles have done here? They they are at the number six spot, uh, which would have given them that money access to a big time playmaker. They move back to twelve uh, in that Dolphins trade. They pick up an extra first round pick, which is good, and I think this is good news for uh, Jalen Hurts. But at the same time, if I'm an Eagles fan who's kind of on guard right now, Mark, about everything the the organization is doing. Am I a little annoyed I traded out of a a, a money spot to pick up a big-time playmaker? I mean, the Eagles fans are going to be annoyed no matter what anyone does. So that's the baseline. But I would say this. I think that if you're a little bit more of a philosophical fan, you can look at what Jeffrey Lurie's mantra has been since the season ended, that this is not a win-now roster at the moment, that there is a setting the table. I'm not saying it's a six-year plan, but they now have 20 picks over the next two drafts. They have two first rounders 
next year. And that could turn into three based on what Carson Wentz does with the Colts. That's how you, other like other teams, set an environment where you can make a major trade up next season or even maybe be in position, depending on where they finish, to get a quarterback next year. But at the same time, not totally blowing up the world for Jalen Hurts this year, that you give him a full, clean chance to show maybe he's the guy. So I don't hate what they've done. They've got a, they basically kind of need to reconstruct everything coming out of a team, a roster, a cap situation that just burnt out. And they've done it quicker than some teams do. does make you wonder, though, that with the timing, when they saw the 49ers move to three and then they get out so quickly... I, I don't know. We'll, we'll never know. Ian sent out that, that tweet about Zach Wilson and then a, an hour later sent another tweet that was like, well, maybe they didn't really like Zach Wilson. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's the report, going on there. The report, just to, for, to, for clarity, the right. Eagles reportedly attempted to trade up to number three beforehand, but they were only going to do it, uh, for Zach Wilson. So like if Wilson fell, they were, they were prepping the pump. Yeah, either way, it's a little too much Joe Flacco in my life if I'm an Eagles fan. Like, we're going to just be hearing about him, and he wants to be competing. And, yes, it's Jalen Hurts' job, but it's like Joe Flacco's going to be there and wanting to get in the field. If anyone inside that organization is secretly viewing Joe Flacco as the starter over getting a full look at Jalen Hurts, then you've lost me. No, I don't think that would be the case. And he's only getting paid three and a half million dollars. To be fair, he got jo- people- Joe Flacco can say whatever he wants until that Johnny Unitas movie comes out that he was so-called ticketed <laughs> for as an on-field <laughs> version of Johnny Unitas. I don't believe anything he says. This, this I- whole uh, up to eight million dollars as the co- we have to get rid of up to in the contract signing. But that's why all the Eagles fans were all fired up and annoyed about the <laughs> Flacco signing because initially it was reported as like up to a thousand million dollars for Joe Flacco, and it's like no, he's getting three. And a half million. It's like a uh, very much a backup, like hardcore backup salary. And remember, like not only do you get a backup quarterback, you get a statue, and you put him out there, and you have, and you, and you get that too. So it's almost like a two for one. Factor that in good as value. well. Yeah. Um, all right, let's um, hit the rest of the news. Let's get out of this trade talk. Let's, what's going on in the league? In our league. And when our buses came in, they would egg us or moon us. And that day, that day we came through the void with 10 bucks right there lined up, and all of them was white. Naked, too, baby. So I said, I got to get some for y'all. I scored that game-winning touchdown, boy. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, it felt good. It felt good. <laughs> I don't know what it was from, how recent it was. He's wearing a mask sitting around a fire, so it must have been in the past year. But uh, I don't know if you guys saw Randy Moss telling a long story about the background uh, on why he, as Chris Collinsworth famously put it, shot the moon at the Lambeau Field crowd, um, telling the whole backstory. Very, very it fun. It felt good, he says. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love It would Randy feel good Moss. to mo- When's the last time you mooned someone? Or I'm assuming everyone here has mooned someone at some point. Yeah, I'm not saying recently, but as a child, I mean, I'd have to go back to probably middle school or something. Yeah, you got to go back a couple decades at least. Three, maybe. Three decades. 35 it, years, maybe. I do it once a week just to sort of feel alive. <laughs> Shake know. things up a little, yeah. In yeah. front of the elementary school. It's, you know, it's a shaky move, but, you know. It's like to, it's Greg nice. lives across from a supermarket to that, that's the, you know, the supermarket <laughs> the crowd gets busy. Lot, yeah. yeah. There's Greg's you know, butt. And, of course, that was, uh, he'll always be linked, uh, that game and the, that game-winning touchdown catch and then the, the call from Joe Buck, famously. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. 
You know, Joe is still digging out from that. All these years later, it, it's almost like he's been on a, a, a decade-long um, apology tour trying to prove <laughs> that he's now a cool dad. He's like, no, nah, that wasn't me. I'm actually cool. I'm funny and I'm, I'm chill. Uh, but that's a tough, that's a toughie, Mark. That's a tough one to, cause you, once you burn that into the minds of football fans, uh, it's a tough one to get out. And I, I always think that he takes way too much heat. Um, and especially, you know, in the world of Twitter, but he miscalculated that one because he came across as sort of a, a little bit of a snooty school marm type person trying to tell us how we should live our lives. And it's like, I think it's kind of cool that a player mooned like the opposing crowd. It would have been one thing if you were seeing like an actual mooning situation, but it was just, you know, it was just pretend. And yeah, I think Buck's been digging out of that and been digging out of treating the helmet catch like it was a guy two putting on the 15th green at, at like, uh, you know the masters or something acting like that. It was, it was terrible. That was terrible. right. Helmet catch. Second, most exciting play in Super Bowl history. Let's, you know, put it where it belongs. <laughs> those were, yes, those were <laughs> still sticking with that one. Huh? Um, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think he's a great, that is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. <laughs> it made the moment so much more famous too. I think if he right. had just had a normal call, it would not have lived on like this. who was the Seahawks player that play acted, um, Taking a large dump on the field during the Super Bowl, and that, that he got off totally without right. it's scolding. Just, it's just hard to to tell a lot of people that you're a cool dad when that was how you reacted in the moment. So it's almost your truest self. But uh, you know, Joe, hang in there, buddy. It's all going to work out for you in the end. I think it has, in fact. All right, uh, Sammy Watkins, he's off the board. He's 27. Sammy Watkins is Wait. still 27. Really. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think he's turning 28. Maybe. He's been 27 for 14 years now. It's It's incredible. Anyway, uh, he has signed with the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens finally got somebody to play wide receiver for them. One year, $5 million contract. uh, And he will be paired uh, with Hollywood Brown, I guess, is their one-two punch there. You imagine Baltimore could investigate adding more weapons. Uh, Greg, let me ask you this. Do you find it – what does it tell you about what the league or wide receivers or what the players think about Lamar Jackson that it, it was so hard to get a guy in here before Watkins finally comes one for five? Yeah, that they weren't expecting a lot of passing yards when, you know – came down to it. Now, I think the I think the Ravens could have ended this narrative very easily by just offering significantly more money. He in in each of these cases you're mentioning, it was Juju, it was TY. Ultimately, they were choosing between very similar contracts and they went with a place that they thought, you know, could Not according to Rap Sheet. Rap, Rap Sheet said with Hilton it was significant. Yeah, the but here's money. the thing, it was like, you know, in that case it's like 2 years spread out, so you're also these things are are shaped by agents who have a narrative that they want to say. The player in this case might want to have got back to free agency rather than taking more guaranteed money and less per year. Anyway, I think it gets exaggerated a little bit. But Sammy Watkins hasn't done much in a long time. He hasn't done much really since he was, um, you know, with the same coach uh, that's that's in Baltimore that squeezed some yards out of him. Uh, when he was back in Buffalo. He hasn't topped 700 yards since. So he's played well in the playoffs. He's very similar to Hollywood Brown. That worries me. He's also similar in Hollywood Brown uh, that he's performed his best in the playoffs. 
Hollywood Brown's been great in the playoffs. Sammy Watkins has been great in the playoffs. Neither one of them have really shown up and been consistent in the regular season. I think this was also about the people involved. You mentioned Greg Roman was his coordinator when he had his only 1,000-yard season. Keith Williams, who is Baltimore's pass game coordinator, is his personal receivers coach. So there's relationships. Maybe that trumps some of the suspicion. Also, there wasn't much of a market for Sammy Watkins, obviously. But I do think you it is, you know, great players go to terrible teams in free agency because of money. Uh, and Baltimore did offer more. And there is something going on, I think, in terms of the way these players talk to each other, that the Baltimore landing spot, pass game-wise for a wide receiver, is a bit of a dead zone. And I mean, and there's a reason for that. I don't think it's Lamar Jackson. I think it's the way the offense is put together. And you've got two years in a row to look at that and say, is that where I want to go on a shorter contract to show what I can do? Right. Do there I want to be there are better landing spots, right? I guess I want to be blocking. Although Juju passed on the Chiefs, to be fair, too, at similar or more money. I, I don't want to say it has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. Not nothing. Throwing. It's just not there Lamar. There's going to be 400 right. to 450 targets uh, to whoever is catching the ball. So I don't know. It, ju- it just made me think for a guy that's a reigning MVP, usually guys race to go there. Is it all because they throw uh, less? Or is, or is it really not that big a story? Is it what Greg's saying? It, ju- it was a financial thing more than anything else. This Maybe might be my own blind spot, but almost every time – a rep, you know, we hear that a player turned down more money elsewhere. I don't believe it. And almost always it's proven like in the later to be a, a little bit exaggerated. But, you know. Gotcha. All. all right. In other news. And by the way, uh, Sammy Watkins, first round pick by the Buffalo Bills in 1976. So, <laughs> you know, 20 We're going to pair him with OJ. Accurate. It was going to be great. <laughs> Yes, an unbelievable uh, move by Doug Whaley. All right, uh, let's see. Carlos Dunlap re-signs with the Seahawks. Two years, $16.6 million. Uh, he was uh, cut loose by Seattle uh, about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, but now he's back, and that's good, Mark, because Dunlap uh, fills a need for them. And before he uh, – I think he had a foot – issue that slowed him down or a lower body issue, I believe. Uh, but he he was instant defense and pass rush for them. If he comes back and he's that guy, he will be a, a big help for them. I mean, their pass rush down the stretch became much better and one of the better ones in the league. And they they really became more of a defensive oriented team, you know, as they I guess they got to the playoffs into January. And I think he was a big part of that. Um, I, the game that stands out to me is that Cardinals game that we watched in your garage, Dan, with Mass Sun. Just to be clear, of course, of course. Um, six but, feet apart. You know, usually. he six to right, eight even, maybe even more. Uh, it was he created chaos at the end of that game. That uh, you know, I know Kyler Murray was a little banged up. That changed that and really helped Seattle's season not turn into a disaster. And I think he really wanted to be in Seattle, um, knowing him a little bit personally from that trip that I've mentioned a thousand times. I think he's someone that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks can say is like one of the most high quality, high character dudes who works out nonstop. Like he's just a, you're going to get your money's worth. Now, I, I, he's so not who your, on that trip was not a high character dude? Give us one because we know we know behind the scenes stories. Uh, so I know you have to be careful here, but an example of someone or maybe their behavior. I would point. I would say that my character could always have been a little <laughs> bit better. Like, can I can I answer that? 
I mean, it's not as fun, but you can. Okay. Well, I'm not going to out anyone. I don't. I also, when they would get up to certain things, that's when I would be taken off the invite list. I wasn't part of that because you mm. had to roll in with like Gucci bags and like eight grand in your pocket. And I was on Roger Good. I had to put a boat Plus trip. Plus, in general, right. If they're volunteering to, you know, help out, um, you know, the armed forces and take a week out of their life for nothing, they're probably, in general, that's a self selecting good group of guys. It is. It's not. It wasn't uh, ragamuffin types. No. Is there? I don't know. My mind keeps drifting here. But now I'm thinking about Seattle and Seahawks fans are happy that we're talking about their team. They don't want to hear anything about Russell Wilson in a trade. It's not realistic. Blah blah blah. Could the Seahawks, if they really are open to a potential deal on some level, prey on David Tepper's aggressiveness and the Panthers? And I'm talking Herschel Walker type trade is that something that could happen where you give up everything you have because tepper's in a he feels cornered and he goes nuts i don't know i'd listen i think I mean, they're, yeah they're, they're I, listening that's all you could say i mean i don't know what would be too much to get wilson if if you were the panthers so give him three all the- first three seconds uh sure you know your best defensive player i don't know maybe christian mccaffrey i don't know like like what would what would it do what would it take I, I would say I have, just just give Pete Carroll a running back, and you'd probably he he would greenlight the thing. I have found it fun to watch, you know, Russell Wilson now on Twitter, just like over the top excited about all these signs. He's like, "Yeah, Dunlop is back," <laughs> and now he's like the super Seahawks cheerleader. It's like, okay, okay. Um, how about this, Mark? And we'll move on. I don't want to hang on this, but you are. I was going to say Schneider, but no, you're Pete Carroll. And I'm going to offer you three firsts, three seconds, and Christian McCaffrey for Russell Wilson. You say yes, I, I, I would say yes. Drake? I wouldn't bother. I mean, at this point, I guess, no. Russell Wilson is basically untradeable. But what if behind the scenes the relationship really is just soured? And well, like, I'm they, looking you know, at they, it from above where I would get rid of Pete Carroll and Schneider. I don't. I don't understand why we would want. To, why would you would want to start over, looking for quarterbacks and be totally mediocre? Well, but then you're sure. leaning. You're leaning on a, a strange ownership group to make that decision. Sure. And if you make the move now, there is no get rid of Pete Carroll to save Russell right. Wilson. You Russell have, Wilson's all not this there. Would have to be approved by ownership. But no, I try to go win the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson this year because life is short, and I, I think they would have, you know, some chance to do that. Um, in other Seahawks-related news, Jerron Reed, the defensive tackle, signs with the Chiefs, a contract that features $5 million in guarantees. Seattle tried to move Reed, uh, who was in a contract dispute with the team. It couldn't make it happen. Uh, so now he is uh, with Kansas City. He was a 16-game starter at six and a half sacks uh, last season. And, uh, Greg, he's three years removed from a ten and a half sack season. You like this move for Kansas City? Yeah, I like it for Kansas City. You give someone next to Chris Jones that'll help him out. They've been thin there. It's a weird sequence. So he's one year removed from signing a two-year, $23 million contract with the Seahawks. And he played, like Dunlop, played well down the stretch last year. And they're eating dead money to get rid of him. They they took a risk by cutting Dunlop and hoping to get him back at a lower salary. They were essentially hoping to do the same with Jaron Reed. And he might have, I don't know if he took less money to go to Kansas City, but it, he was not happy with how that was handled. And he ended up, he ended up leaving. But Seattle was very much hoping to bring back uh, Jaron Reed. And 
just this whole offseason is weird. They they really prioritized Chris Carson. They really prioritized trading for Gabe Jackson, uh, a, a guard who's going to make $10 million, you know, a lot more than Jaron Reed, where you're paying to get rid of Jaron Reed. Gabe Jackson was a guy that the Raiders were trying to get rid of for two years. Is that going to solve their offensive line issue? It, I do I do wonder about the overall, like, picture here and what what is the plan in Seattle? I'm not sure because they haven't been particularly good at what Pete Carroll wants to be good at for a little while, which is running and defense. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is this is a team with three draft picks. And I get that this is maybe not the draft to load up on picks, but there aren't a lot of avenues um, for them to address any holes they have. And the Jamal Adams trade, which I ripped the Jets for initially because what I thought was that the Jets kept giving away players that were good um, and they could, weren't developing. But, it, but a year later, that was a win-at-all-costs move for Seattle. They did not win at all costs. There's no reason to think they're a better team right now, and there are not a lot of resources to back themselves out of the corner they're in. So it is a strange time in Seattle. Um. Finally, in the news, Leonard Fournette's back with uh, the defending Super Bowl champions. He signs a deal. He's sticking around. And that is, that's it. All their starters, um, I believe, are going to be back. 22. All, all 22. First team ever to do that. That won the That Super is incredible. And not just that. Not just all 22 starters. You also have the GM, the head coach, the DC, the OC. That almost never happens. You usually lose one of these architects, um, especially the coordinators, after a Super Bowl win. To have all your major pieces of the coaching staff back and all of your starters, uh, that is remarkable. This is kind of an unprecedented uh, experiment here by the Bucks. I can't say I blame them. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I'm like less excited about them running it back, but I do like having like as I was like getting ready to root them on because they were they were the most exciting thing about the 2020 season. I thought from minute one to the very end, you know, because they were so different. They were this new character and now they are the favorites. It's it's really interesting how quickly that that turned. But you're right. There's no reason to think they're going to like be bad. They That roster is awesome. Like they, I think they'll be to be better. I think, like, they're, I mean, if anything, like, be careful. They, we always know, think that. We always think that. Well, all I'd say is better, better over the course of the season. They didn't win their division. Um, the version of them that won the Super Bowl, I thought, really bloomed late in the year. So I'm just saying, yep. you, in theory, you get that from wire to wire. Now, I don't need to be super excited about Leonard Fournette the same way I would be about some other people they brought back. Um, I really thought um, this would be a team that might have gotten James White to add one more Patriots piece that Brady knew so well, because I don't think that, would, that part of what they had on their offense last year was maximized in terms of like a pass-catching guy like White that can do so much. And now I, I wouldn't rule them out from drafting a running back, maybe not high, but it, as well. They also have, uh, who's the other guy they have from last year, their draft pick? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. And like they, you know, he didn't play much, but I, apparently the coach is still like O.J. So, Howard's back. Did you say that? No, yeah. I didn't He's mention returning. that. He's <laughs> returning. It. Former first-round pick tight end. He was, a, by the way, O.J. Howard, just I when I read that yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah. He was an absolute can't-miss tight end prospect. Those feel dicey, those can't-miss tight ends in the first <laughs> round. Keep that in mind. Uh, Good player. Good player. 
good, but was supposed to be like a, a game plan record. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do I don't it. even it get coming off a major that Bruce injury. Arians loves him that much. They I are mean, the bullies, though. I do like that they're coming back. Like, I like that they, they made this narrative so easy that we're bringing everyone back. They are completely loaded. They're going to be, they're going to have the most nationally tele- televised games. Like, it's on. I like, I like that. And they did win eight straight to end the season. I mean, it was you know, yes, they started a little slow, and they lost a lot of they lost some close games to good teams, other than the other than New Orleans, who kind of beat them down. But they won if eight they, straight, and they beat down the Chiefs. I mean, it was about as good as it gets down the stretch. If they ever ran it back and won another title, uh, first of all, you'd have to do it again. Everybody, I don't, ca- I don't <laughs> care what their numbers are, what their stats were, where they are in life, what happened. They're set off the up field. for it. Tom Bring Brady it back is guaranteed again. into twenty twenty two now. Yeah, right, and. You know, also, I think Tom Brady becomes the greatest free agent signing of all time. To add that to his list, if somehow they get back to the Super Bowl again, he's already right up near the Over top. Over Brees, of the list he's going to take that. He's going to take that from Brees too. If he wins title everything. two, Brees yeah, won I mean, one in twenty. Yeah, so, in a much shorter, uh, you know, more digestible time. Two, what's better? Two straight what's years. better, Greg? Two for two or one for twenty? I don't know. Just just let Drew Brees have this. It's like oh, uh, now yeah, you're defending you know. Brees. Okay. Well, just I don't know what else. Uh, a Brady year from now, you have Tom Brady. I, next time around, it's going to have to drop the Lombardi trophy out of like right. a low-flying private plane, <laughs> and you're going to have Gronk catch that or break. It's like Brady. Brady's going to retire and then immediately jump on to the Today Show with Hoda Kotb, and actually Breeze will get squeezed out of that role too. Like it'll just Brady, he'll, <laughs> actually, be, he'll be doing Notre Dame with Tarico. He's just he just hates Drew Breeze and wants to ruin his life. That's a that would be Jenna Bush getting. Canned in a big spot right there. I could definitely also see him winning three uh, Super Bowls with the Bucks, and then the Jets give him a $700 million contract, and he gets old. 48. <laughs> um, hey, uh, that's what's happening in the news. Before we say goodbye, I want to check in with one of our, one of the great men of NFL media. He is the vice president of international. That title, Maron. Uh, he's also known... Uh, in the podcast world as Handsome Hank, and that is no lie. He is Henry Hodgson. What's up, bud? Welcome back to the ATN Podcast. Hello, friends. How are we doing? How are you? Good see you all. Good. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Doesn't that title actually mean that you're the vice president of the rest of the world outside of where we live? International mm. is literally everything beyond America. I, I like that Dan says that whenever he, he leaves one word off, which I, I mean, I like that Dan, you should say it's, it's, it's international marketing. So it's oh. less impressive than just as mm. you say market. Really what, what Dan says when he says it out loud is that I'm in charge of everything other than the U.S., but that's not actually true. Last time that I, um, I came by, because Henry, you know, he's such a soldier for this company, like amongst other things, when you are vice president of international, your your work hours are not like normal people. So I, I came by his house when I was doing my moving and, and the Hotchins were nice enough to watch the boys for a couple hours. I'm hitting everybody up on that, by the way. Greg, they're coming <laughs> over in about an hour. Um, I knock on the door. Henry's wonderful wife answers. And there's Henry in the middle of a meeting speaking fluent Chinese, uh, probably launching it's some product. It's impressive. Impressive. That's what was happening. Exactly. Yes. No, the, the, hours are, the hours are strange. I wouldn't necessarily wish them on anyone. See how he didn't correct me when I said fluent Chinese? He it's factual. Fluent it's, Chinese. It's, it's factual. He was going to let that one sit out there. Exactly. All right. Henry, you texted me last week. You were upset with me. And I, and I was. you know what? It was a bad job by me for, for years. For years, we've been tracking the international, um, NFL's international pathway program, a way, uh, to get 
athletes, football players from around the world, funnel them and give them the opportunity to play in our league. And, uh, you know, we bet on a horse. His name was Moritz Boehringer. Um, he was drafted by hell. I don't know anymore. The, the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah, I don't know about I, yeah. Mike yep. Mayock. If, if what was it? Mike Mayock called up Zico yeah, yeah, Zimmer Mayock and said, played, "Get this guy exactly. Get this guy." And Zimmer listened, and he and he did it. And, and you man, guys you could, were on the train from day one. No one's been a bigger supporter of of Moritz than, than Dan, actually, especially. There was in the war room. You actually saw Henry sneak into the room and slip a couple hundreds into Zimmer's pocket and said, grab this guy. I need it for my international pop. He's a wide but, receiver, but he will become a tight end in a few years. Very versatile. He's now been in the Cincinnati Bengals organization for a couple of years. It just hasn't taken hold. And that's a bummer. Right. So keeping up with Boehringer, uh, we're, it's still, it's on the back burner right now. It's not but, because I think we actually, we ended that when he got cut by you, you invited me on to talk about Moritz, the end of his career with the Bengals. He is now, and if we can do an update, he is now back with the team that brought him to the NFL, the Schwabish Hall Unicorns. Whoa. There you go. There's the music, everything else. So that is the update. He's gone full circle back to the unicorns in Germany. Ouch. That's it. Hey, we all right. so lucky. Let's let's uh, let's stay positive though. The reason why Henry was upset with me is because there is one player who is the true success story of the Pathway program. Uh, the only man who has now graduated to a 53-man roster. It's Efe Obata. He had five and a half sacks last year for the Panthers. The Panthers. So I don't know what's going on in that organization right now, but they say we're not going to bring him back. He lands with the Buffalo Bills. Same team that has Christian Wade, another member of the Pathway program, uh, on their practice squad. So, Henry, I wanted to give you the floor here. Uh, I know Obata is somebody that you are uh, proud of because he's a, he's a countryman. I mean, he, he, he was born in Nigeria, but he ended up in uh, London as a youth, a very tough childhood, a uh, lot of challenges that he overcame. So, since it didn't really click with Bowringer, and in fact, you thought sometimes it was mocking of the program, which it never was. I wanted to give you the platform here to celebrate a true champion of the Pathway program, F.A. Obata. Well, first of all, I would say you did it very well for me there, Dan. When I texted you last week, you, if, if I could have had anything, it was exactly what you just said. So congratulations. You you really nailed it. But I would say that it is, it is a pretty amazing story, F.A.'s. Um, story of, of, as you said, was he was um, he left Nigeria, was human trafficked to the UK, lived on the streets of London, and then got this opportunity to, to do well, discovered football, um, played I think seven games for the London Warriors, and then went from that, you know, discovering football and playing at an amateur level in the UK, to um, to joining the Dallas Cowboys and playing in training camp there, and not kind of not totally being able to, to hook into that. And eventually the International Player Pathway Program was the, the thing that gave him his opportunity. Played to the Panthers was, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure you guys watched um, the, uh, what's the show called? The, the All or Nothing Amazon show. All or Nothing show, exactly, where he was one of the focal points of that Panthers season a couple of years ago. Uh, you guys were at the game in London where he played for the first time in front of um, fans uh, from yes. the UK. Uh, which was a which was a pretty cool experience, and he I think he really became a big fan favorite in Carolina, and and so I think a lot of fans were sad to see him leave after his best season last year. He got five and a half sacks, and he got, collected some pretty good scalps. Tom Brady, I think, was one of the guys he got. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. So if you want, if you're going to sack people, those are the type of people I suppose you want to be sacking. Um, so now he's headed off to Buffalo, 
Um, and I, from what I understand, on good authority, there were a few other teams that were in the mix to, to sign him as well. So I think he, he got a good deal there to, to go up to Buffalo and get on a team that may, unfortunately, for two of us on this call with, with other allegiances to AFC East teams, maybe um, on track for a Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, a nice place to sign as a defensive lineman. They get right. production. They need help there. They rotate guys. He had 29 pressures last year in, in under 500 snaps, so he was very uh, productive. He's carving out He's carving out a career. What is your personal relationship, though? Like, does does he... Gotta call you often thank you or what fun story fa was part of the program when moritz was there and so i was with fa and moritz when they were drafted in chicago Ooh. we spent the day together and then and then yeah i know, I know fa pretty well and he's a, he's a fantastic guy a guy who you know has really gone through a lot in his life um but is super positive and gives back so much to, to fans in the uk both to fans and then also like the NFL Academy, which you may have heard about, which is is sort of designed to get kids a little bit earlier and get them starting to play football and hopefully getting them into the college system in the U.S. FA has really supported that in a massive way um, and and helped grow that. And he wants to you know to help create the pipeline of of future FA Obadas uh, to the U.S. to be playing in the NFL. You know, Hank, like one thing I noticed when I was in Europe that we there were a lot of high school programs, uh, football high school programs, and so they are starting to get kids um, introduced to the sport so much earlier than in years past. Do you think, like, in 2040, uh, if things continue apace with sports and society, that the NFL could look a little bit more like the NBA or um, Major League Baseball where, you know, 20 we're talking about you're finding the, the most physically dominant people. They're not all in America, by the way. I know we like to think that. I mean, could you get to a point where 20 percent of the NFL is foreign from outside the country? I think 20 percent is a high number for, for 20 years from now. But what I would say is that you're exactly right, Mark. Like the way for the sport to grow is to do that, is to encourage kids to be playing. And then um, you have to get kids at an early age. I think the player pathway program has been incredible. And Dan, the one, one mistake you made is there have been a couple other guys that have made it, including Jakob Johnson, Greg's favorite fullback in the NFL. Just got um, re-signed. They brought him back. Just got re-signed as well, exactly. But um, – it's it's really hard to get guys at 20, you know, that kind of age, and they've never played football before. They've had very limited exposure to football and then get them. They have to be like athletic freaks, which FA is one of them, to, to, to make it to the NFL. It's obviously much easier if they're playing, you know, starting at the same age that a kid in, in the U.S. would start and learning the sport and developing their body and all those kind of things. So um, I think the earlier you can get them and the longer you have that momentum going, then yeah, eventually maybe not 20%, but, but more players being able to contribute in more ways so you see it in college football right now. I think there's a really high profile TCU's quarterback is a German guy. You know, I think those are the things that moves it along as well as getting guys that score touchdowns as fun as sacks are or, or being good on get, the offensive line. Get me the name of that German guy. I got to work on a new drop. Um, Whenever okay. you get the chance, and, hey, can and, uh, I mention one other yes. thing? Yes, maybe that's who the Panthers okay? are targeting. Go ahead. Um, everything that we've talked about here, like the the Player Pathway Program, international games in London, all those things. I just want to shout out um, a guy who's leaving the NFL this week, um, named Alistair Kirkwood, who's the MD of the NFL UK office and has been for twenty something years. He was my boss when I first started at the NFL. 
just an amazing man who who put into place the play the player pathway program. He put into place the fact that games are played in London. You know where it was like completely insane when I was working there in two thousand and three that there would be regular season games played in the UK, and now there are you know four a year. Um, he, he's the one who put the NFL Academy in place. Alistair's done so much to grow the sport internationally. He he, you know, essentially. In fact, I was on a call this morning with FA on there, where FA said I couldn't have done. You know, I'm not where I am without Alistair's support. I'm actually not where I am without Alistair's support. I had dinner last week with a friend of mine who's now become defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys, who was the same guy that discovered FA, who was coaching in London. He wouldn't be where he is without Alistair. So this is a guy who's who's done a ton to change and to grow the sport mm. uh, in the UK and kind of put the blueprint in for then how you do that in other countries as That's well. Awesome. So, so want to hail Alistair Kirkwood, uh, a wonderful friend, man. He's got, you know, supported you guys coming, coming to London as well. I don't think we, <laughs> we get to London uh, for our two trips without Al- it's Alistair. True. So it's that true. Is, he, uh, he definitely supported you guys. Best of luck, and Henry will do whatever it takes to get to the top of that chain. So we're seeing that right <laughs> now. For putting that on me. This um, horribly. All right, Henry. Good stuff. Uh, I, I hope that he got a factory. And um, we know – see you, Hank. We know that we have a huge following overseas. So we wanted, uh, it's good to have Hank on the speed dial. All right. We'll be back on Thursday uh, with another – Brand new episode of the Around the NFL podcast. As we get closer to the draft, we might ramp it up. We might do a uh, another one of our five times a week um, uh, uh, um, runs and when we get to draft week. Uh, but until then, we'll be on this schedule at the TV show on Friday. Check that out. Uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific NFL Network. Mark, you well, had one well, more Well, thought. one little note. Our coworker, Patrick Crawley, and his wife uh, Natalie had a son Cole over over the weekend. So Beautiful. We, wow. we have a we have a British Patrick Crawley and an American Patrick Crawley. I mean, they're not the same person, but the or American the one, no, the American one had a child. So, that's great. Well, he that's great his wife did Natalie, but one, yes, once Henry, excellent. he was under you, Henry, as a um, you were his mentor for some well, period no, of time. I mean, not, not, I mean, he, he really made me look good. So congratulations, Patrick. And I hope uh, Cole um, makes someone look good in the future. <laughs> good stuff. All right. <laughs> the this is you normally make. Signing off for handsome Hank, the old boss, uh, the quiet storm, and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Thursday, keep the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 